1: Thanks for joining us. Uh, my name is Angela Simoes, and I'm here with my esteemed co-host, Denise Borges, uh, who is, as you all know, a fellow Palcos director. And our guest today are two other fellow Palcos directors, as we are here to chat about a particular issue in Rhode Island, uh, so a particular piece of legislation that is uh, affecting the Portuguese community. Um, but before we get into that, I uh, just want to say hi, everybody. Welcome, and thanks for joining us.
2: Hi. Thank you, thank you, Angela. It's always a pleasure to co-host this with. Uh, I'm, you know, with the new space exploration <laughs> that we have in Mars. We have not found any better uh, palcos or Portuguese American uh, chairperson in Mars, so we can say that you're the best in the universe. And <laughs> wait-
1: come on, come on, I want more. Yeah. Not kidding. <laughs> and
2: and and beyond, as, 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 and beyond, and, right. and beyond, and beyond. We're 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 actually speaking to God Himself right now to see okay. if there's any better one up there. But I, we haven't found anyone yet. That's
1: a new one. That's a new one. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right, so um, we have Daniel DePont, who is our uh, director from Rhode Island, and he's also a former uh, state senator uh, in Rhode Island and currently a partner with and a founding partner of Access Advisors, I believe. Um, so welcome, Dan. Thank you. And Jack Oliveira is a Palkus director from Connecticut. Um, he's is uh, currently a, a, actually an elected uh, official there in Connecticut. Um, they welcome Jack.
3: Thank you for having
1: me. Um, so Dan, why don't we have you give us a, a brief overview of the legislation in play in Rhode Island right now, and then we can delve into you know how that affects the community and then what Palkus has been doing about it.
4: Sure. So uh in the 1980s, you know, the 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 Portuguese American uh representation in both um the House and the Senate in Rhode Island, and flowing on down to local uh, communities and local governments as well, was pretty significant and pretty pretty strong. Folks that were in positions of uh, of leadership and and political power uh, at the time, and um, they proposed legislation. To actually, uh, one of my predecessors, former Senator John Correa, proposed legislation um, that uh, Portuguese be designated as minorities in state statute. Uh, and that, in turn, wove into a statute that is uh, that is still in place that allows uh, or that requires uh, any public state contracts that are awarded to be awarded to minority-owned businesses. Uh, and currently, the law is that 10% of those contracts need to be awarded to minority businesses. In terms of what defines minorities, uh, it has evolved over time, uh, and uh, the Rhode Island Department of Administration does have an office that handles with verifying and certifying minority owned um, businesses. And they, you know, at the end of that application process, they need to obtain a, a certificate you know, certifying that they're a minority uh, owned business. Uh, for a number of years, uh, even since uh, I was uh, in the Senate, there was a, a feeling, I think, from um, some of the other minority groups that either 10% was not a sufficient enough. Percentage of these contracts to be awarded to minorities and combination that Portuguese should not be considered minorities uh, to begin with. So, two separate but also sort of connected um, issues. So, there have been, you know, over the last, I don't know how many years, but a number of years that legislation was proposed that would essentially take Brazilian Portuguese and lump them in with the Latino minority group and take. African descendant Portuguese from you know Cape Verdean to um, folks that are you know consider themselves Portuguese would come from uh, some of the Portuguese uh, African colonies in particular uh, and lump them in with the you know black or Negro uh, minority group and if eff- and eff- effectively you know any white Portuguese person uh, would be cut out and not considered a minority um, uh, different, uh, minority legislators uh, have had been the prime sponsors of the legislation over the years. Uh, when I was in the Senate and chaired the Senate Finance Committee, uh, that bill uh, was referred to the Senate Finance Committee a number of times on the Senate side. Uh, we, you know, would have hearings if the sponsor would ask for them, uh, but there was not, you know, the appetite nor, you know, using my discretion as chair, that um, did I, did I feel that it was appropriate to pass the legislation. Uh, and so it's been, you know, introduced. Unfortunately. Um, The number of Portuguese-American legislators, both senators and reps, uh, has declined, I would say, quite substantially from years ago. I think back uh, when I first got elected and and through most of my years up there, uh, the number of Portuguese-American reps and senators corresponded pretty closely to the percentage uh, as a whole of the legislature, a percentage of the Portuguese-American population in the state of Rhode Island, which is between 10 and 12 percent self-identified. And so that that is no longer the political reality in Rhode Island, at least in the legislature. Uh, We do have some local uh, officials uh, that are Portuguese Americans that are mayors and city and town managers and members of city councils and school committees. Um, So, you know, I think uh, it's also incumbent upon them to uh, to speak up, um, you know, as well, because these same business owners that would be adversely affected by this legislation passing you know, live in these communities where these other elected officials represent.
1: And that's a a nod to a whole other topic that if we have time today, we can address, which is the importance of having Portuguese in elected office, right? And so it's one of the things that we talk about a lot here on Politicus. Thank you for that summary. So, Jack, Palkus uh, has been pretty active in, you know, trying to rally the community and inform, you know, the Portuguese community in in Rhode Island what's going on and, um, you know, what they can do about it. So can you just give a summary of what we've done so far?
3: Correct. So Palkis has been an advocate since day one that we saw the bill this year. Uh, For those who are listening, the bill this year is bill number 5401. And the day Palkis saw the bill go up for the Rhode Island legislature, uh, we did meet and we got together and looked to advocate as quickly as we could for the Portuguese community. So, what Palkus has done so far over the last roughly two months has been reached out to Rhode Island businesses and organizations and let them know that this bill is up for a hearing. Well, it was up for a hearing, I should say, at the end of February, but we still are pushing them to at least make some noise, let them know, let their voice be heard. We have given some, uh, I would say, template testimony where people can use to reach out to their own state representatives. And in addition to that, we have been Not only reaching out to businesses and organizations, but as well as the state representatives themselves that not only sit on the committee. This bill is in front of the House Labor Committee. We have reached out to all the members of the House Labor Committee, but other representatives that represent high Portuguese communities with a lot of Portuguese populations. And what we are doing is just continuing to advocate. So we are doing whatever we can to make ourselves heard and let us know that we are, uh, we should continue to qualify as a minority. And speaking and echoing what Dan said, the issue I don't do not think is of Portuguese a minority, but it is the overall representation of what the bill does. And we have for PALCAS have been advocating that over the last two years, due to COVID, we should not be looking to exclude minorities, but instead expand and look for ways that we can include more minority groups to receive funding because at the moment we are in what we would say a pandemic, epidemic mode, and we are just looking to preserve our rights as uh, Portuguese.
1: That's a great point. So, um, Dan, can you talk a little bit about the, the expanding ethnic diversity of the state and, and why, you know, to what both you and Jack brought up that, you know, instead so of trying to exclude groups, especially given the pandemic, that we should be looking at ways to expand opportunities for more groups.
4: I don't want to get overly analytical but just something that sort of stood out to me was uh, because you'd really have to go down into these you know subcategories but just looking at it from a if you try to look at it maybe from a relative basis right according to the last census and that was done in in census data available for rhode island in 2019 okay 16.3 percent of the population in rhode island is defined as either hispanic or latino okay that doesn't even get into well, and then there's another eight and a half percent that are black and, and um or African American. Okay. So when you add those two together, assuming relatively speaking, you know, the, the, the same proportion of minority businesses that would qualify that would be would fall within the black uh African American or Latino or, or Hispanic you know population, right there to me anyway, presents that this ninety ten, this ten percent thing is already a problem, right? Because you already have uh, you know. And that's without getting into, you know, any of these other, you know, like subgroups. So, uh, you know, Palkus, um, you know, sponsored the, the Make Portuguese Count, and we'll see what the results of that uh, end up being with folks that, you know, would go and identify themselves as Portuguese in the, in the census um, survey. Uh, but you may very well have people that, you know, I mean, so white alone, uh, listed as white alone in terms of the census, census is 83.6%. Uh, I mean, Rhode Island is a white state, but it's not that white as far as I'm concerned, right? So um, to me, all of these things sort of percolate up into that. The problem here, and I I reiterate, in in my opinion, is not, or the, the objective here should not be to exclude certain ethnic groups or certain, by definition, minority groups. I really do think it's time, given the demographics in Rhode Island, backed up by the census data, uh, it is time to change that, you know, 10 percent and increase it to something that is much more representative of what the true minority representation of the true minority population is within the state of Rhode Island.
2: Uh, Dan, so there's the, the precedent set here. Um, how important, of course, you know, we we know how that is in politics and uh, you were there quite a while. So, um how important is the precedent set here of the Portuguese presence you know within this bill and how and how does the community move forward using that precedence as something to continue
4: well I mean you know I, I think you, you sort of have to narrow it down a little bit and say okay well uh, those that would be impacted by this this law and a change in this legislation uh, are Portuguese or minority owned businesses that are participating in the state's procurement contracts, right? So, uh, you know, if the state is not procuring through their purchasing process, uh, food from Portuguese restaurants, I mean, it's not very relevant to this conversation. Uh, when it comes to Portuguese-owned construction companies with public works contracts and schools being rebuilt and, you know, uh, re- renovations done to to public, you know, properties, that's a whole a whole different animal. And that's, you know, the crux of who would be most adversely affected by a change uh, or a, a complete exclusion based on what this legislation uh, would call for. So again, you know, it, it, it's one of those situations where we can't look at it. It's not a just black or white you know, situation just because you really have to get into the nuts and bolts of the underlying circumstances to, to get a true idea of who would be adversely affected. Now, I will tell you, you know, particularly within the the the, the building trades and, and the construction industry, that would probably have a much more direct impact than this than some other Portuguese-owned or other minority-owned businesses that wouldn't have that level of interaction with the with the public procurement process. Um, you know, those businesses that that are and would qualify, those Portuguese businesses that are and would qualify, are established. They do employ you know a, a lot of people. They they've been here um, you know for some time, um, but they're still you know they're still according to the definition, I mean, they're, they're minorities that have gone through the certification process in order to qualify for these uh, to participate in, in, in this 10% allocation.
1: Well, and we, and we don't really have any, any data that says, you know, what percentage of their business is dependent on public contracts or, you know, what percentage of what, or what part of that 10% is actually won by Portuguese. Right. So, I mean, it's feasible to say that if, this legislation was pushed through and Portuguese were excluded that one or more of those companies, if they really were, you know, if 90% of their business is dependent on public contracts, it it could mean that they would, they would shut down, you know, so, and that's, that's always the potential, right?
4: Sure. Exactly.
1: So what can we as a community do? Because you've mentioned that this bill has come up a number of times over the past, 10, 15 years or what have you. Um, what can we as a community do to kind of move the needle so that we're not dealing with this every year, that it's a a different conversation?
4: Well, I'm not sure that there's a way to, you know, prevent this not coming up. You know, I mean the legislative process is is exactly that. It's you know, folks are free to, you know, not only introduce legislation that they feel, you know, is appropriate and correct, but they also sort of have, you know, Uh, an obligation as elected officials to submit legislation on behalf of a particular interest group or a particular constituent or constituency that may request that. I mean, normally when that happens, what is supposed to happen, so if if a constituent of mine asked me to introduce legislation, um, you know, the way you do it is you put by request on the legislation and that identifies that that is not an original uh, proposal of yours, the electeds, but that came at the request of You know, someone else, whether it's you know a business, uh, someone who lives down the street, you know, whatever, uh, whatever it may be. Um, I think it's you know how to how to uh, continue to stay aware of it. uh, Obviously, is to continue to 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 continue to speak up um, to make sure that you know those elected officials, both in the legislature and in local governments, uh, that they're, you know that their feet are, are held to the fire. Uh, and that, you know, you can't just be Portuguese when it's time to ask people to vote for you uh, or you can't be Portuguese when it's, you know, uh, when it's, it matters to vote for you. But, you know, you don't either don't support a fellow Portuguese candidate or simply go out of your way to work against that Portuguese candidate uh, when when running against uh, someone else. I mean, obviously, everyone has their own you know prerogative and they're free to do whatever they wish. But I think we have to call a spade a spade and say You know, if if we're not going to, as a community, be united, and if we're not going to either support Portuguese-American candidates or simply stay out of the way when it may be for the greater good of, of the community at large, then we shouldn't be surprised with any of these outcomes.
2: Yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, this just, just reminds me just a little bit of a conversation I just had not too long ago as part of the symposium where as someone said, you know, I'm kind of tired of people saying I'm very proud to be Portuguese. So now when they tell me I'm proud to be Portuguese, I say, great. What are you going to do about it? And so uh, that's I think that's a good point. I think it's going to be my my comeback from now on when people tell me that they're proud of being Portuguese. I'm going to ask. I'm going to follow up with that. But Jack, I wanted to ask you. You know, uh, with the efforts with 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 that Pálkas has been doing as you and you mentioned. Um, and the outtake. uh how has the reception been from the community uh, and obviously the community everywhere, but certainly the community in Rhode Island, because this affects basically one state and uh, all these things, of course, have repercussions at a at a regional level and sometimes even at a national level. But uh, what has been the community? Uh, uh, what has been the community involvement? What has been the community reception to the efforts that Palcas has been putting forth?
3: Thankfully, the Palcas directors have been doing what we can to just get the word out at the moment. Uh, So we do know that there are some businesses and organizations that are taking it upon themselves to reach out to their their representation. We do even have people that are outside of Rhode Island that are actually submitting testimony on behalf of Portuguese um, just to show their support and, and let people know that this is something that we need to pay attention to. And I want to kind of tie this into what Dan said in terms of bringing in the Portuguese and, and doing their work. So what we need to do, uh, I think, going forward to get more traction on it, Danish, is to re- have people realize this is public works projects. So these are, tip- these are direct state projects. And which means is if we can't help Portuguese get state projects, we're not going to have many Portuguese that are involved in the state in the state process of Rhode Island. As we do know that's uh, Rhode Island uh, is a smaller state so for the portuguese to step up I'm sure that one person knows somebody that either receives this contract or works for somebody that might have somebody that re- there is an employee of somebody that receives this contract. And for me that's what we have to we have to do let portuguese know listen there is somebody that you probably know that is affected by this. It's a state contract that's important and it's money that's out there that, that is available every year or every so often for the projects, that once they're not available, what happens to the Portuguese? What happens to the person that you know? And we have to make it personal. And I think that's the steps that Paucus is going to take to further initiate uh, people in the community. And so far, the response has been good. They have been active on it, but I still think we need to engage them more and let them know this problem isn't here to go away. So let's show them why we uh, Portuguese are valuable. And I think that's really the education aspect is what Palkus is going to focus on. And we're always willing and open to hear what anyone has to offer from the community directly, because as Dan said, if you're a local local councilman such as myself, if I was in Rhode Island, I'd be making sure to tell my community members, hey, this is important. It might not be important for our community, but it is important for a community up north in Rhode Island. And if they don't receive this, they're really going to be hurting. Because these businesses pay taxes in communities, and we have to realize that this is a trickle-down effect. So this is not only just affecting the state legislature, but it's affecting local legislatures and actually families themselves.
4: And I would just add, you know, when I keep talking about, or when I mentioned earlier that you know, I think the right thing to do, in my opinion, is to expand beyond that ten percent because it doesn't fully represent the reality on the uh, sort of on the ground, if you want to call it that. But you know, especially at a time like this, you know, independent of this argument, the federal government's talking about another multi trillion dollar infrastructure plan. Um, you know, the state of Rhode Island is going to get over a billion dollars from the federal government with the stimulus package that just passed. You know, there are certain exclusions in there. You can't you know, reduce taxes. Uh, some of it is to backfill uh, expenses incurred due to COVID and, and the like, but there is going to be, you know, because everyone's got infrastructure needs everywhere. Uh, and so if there's one issue and if there's a time where, you know, this is sort of front and center uh, and and could have significant uh, negative ramifications and consequences. Uh, It's now not just for Portuguese minorities, I think, but for for all all the minority uh, groups in in Rhode Island that would certainly get a big boost from all this additional infrastructure spending that's that's coming and will have to go through this public procurement process.
2: That's a very good point. And and, and, um, as Jack mentioned as well, uh, the aspect of this kind of being a a living laboratory of what can be of other communities in the future. You know, Rhode Island has this unique situation of being a smaller state uh, and, uh, you know, with a uh, little over a million people, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Dan is the population and you know, over a hundred
4: thousand, a million, according was, to the census. twenty nineteen. I
2: was pretty darn close. Pretty- uh, and, uh, and so about a hundred thousand Portuguese, a little over. So we're talking about this, um, being a laboratory for other things that might you know come in uh, to play in other communities whether it be in New Jersey or Massachusetts or California or Idaho and so um and so it's a good point that you brought forth jack that it is important that Portuguese Americans, and that's the role that's to me the pivotal role of Palkus, and and that's why more people should join us, which is the uh, the pivotal role of putting communities together. More and more, the important thing that we can all do for one another, whether we're in one state or, or another, one state or another, is to, com- to 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 communicate and to have this relationship between the communities, because our. Our issues are a lot uh, more have a lot more in common than uh, they have in any anything that yeah. There's a lot more. There's a lot of strength in, in the commonalities that we have between communities, and so that's that's a very good point. And I uh,
4: and I and I'll just say too. I mean, you know, listen, I, I've made no secret about it. You know, running for office is a a a. It's a it's always been you know a huge commitment, and it's an even bigger commitment I think today just with all of the you know, challenges that come with it from, um, you know, social media to folks really being, you know, divided. Uh, but I think it's important, you know, not only is it important, I think, and a priority to get, you know, Portuguese continue to get Portuguese Americans elected and any ethnic group, frankly, you know, elected in, in, in proportion to the population in wherever it is that you live, whether it's on a city or town council up to a state uh, a state legislature. Uh, but I think it's also important for the Portuguese community that, you know, even if they are 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 not a dominant population in a particular community, but a very strong and very relevant one. I, I would always say to me as a Portuguese American, it was always more important to have a a legislator speaking about that you know, legis in the legislature's perspective, you know, having someone that appreciated and advocated for the Portuguese community than having someone that was Portuguese in name only and could really care less about the community. Uh, I was very oftentimes criticized for that. But I think, you know, the, the, the communities where they may not have a a candidate per se was Portuguese American to run, um, but they should certainly get behind the right candidates who are going to listen to the needs of the community and make their voice heard.
2: Indeed. And I think that that is a very good point. And that we can discuss that actually and get a little bit more uh, take on that. Because, you know, how do we, you know, with, the, with this Rhode Island issue, it, there is another issue that's, you know, uh, in the forefront of who we are as a national community in every area that we're in. How do we get our elected Portuguese Americans? And we don't have as many as we'd like to have. Obviously, we only have four in Congress, and you know we'd love to have you know ten or twelve. Four in the in in the House of Representatives, and as Dan mentioned, there are less than there were in the uh, state of, of Rhode Island. Uh, we have the same thing here in California, for example. I mean, we at one time had seven uh, Portuguese Americans in state office, at both the Senate and the uh, Assembly, and now we're down to two. And well three basically uh two and a half let's put it that way but we are basically down to three and and how do we make these folks a little bit more in tune with the community how do we get to that point i'm very proud to be portuguese okay great you know show me you know what what kind of dialogue do we as Palcas? and we're all four directors uh and we have uh, the most almighty of all directors with us so you know how can we have uh, how can we get folks in public office, to be a little bit more Portuguese, because I don't feel, to be honest with you, that they are uh, defenders of the cause uh, as much as we in palcazar and we're not elected to anything, you know. Before
1: you answer that, Dan and Jack, I'll just add to that. And as I, was like, I couldn't agree more because it's, for, for example, Portuguese language is an issue that we're always talking about, and how do we get um, Portuguese offered in more schools? And so, you know, maybe it's something where do they just not know? what they should be advocating about. I mean, they probably should. But let's say for hypothetical, they they don't know what is important to the community. So do we lay out an agenda for them and say, "Listen, as an elected official, we need your support in these two, three key areas. Help us get Portuguese offered in your local schools, help us, you know, and ensure that Portuguese businesses are considered um for state contracts." Something like that. So is it is it more do so we have to make their job easier? Do we have to make it easier for them to be more Portuguese? I guess is the question.
2: That's a good point. That's a good question. I'd like to hear from both of them because I believe that that is a good point. That's part of the lobbying group, that lobbying job, uh, that and Dan was in public office knows that that you know we probably need to do a little bit better job at politics.
1: But for the well, record, we yeah. cannot lobby. Just to uh,
2: well, yes. lobby, for, <laughs> lobby, lobby. We just uh, want to um, make sure. It, 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 provide information, provide information. That's what, that's, what what lobbyists do advocate for, advocate for it. I think that we do need to advocate a lot more. And so I'd like to hear from both of you, you know, do, is it something that as a national organization, we have probably been lacking on? I mean, you know, sometimes you have to have things prepared for people.
4: Uh, Well, I I think it's just, you know, I think it's just making people aware. I think it's it's educating them. I think it's, it's communicating. Um, I mean, listen, you know, everyone's busy um i mean that's part of the underlying reason why people more people don't run for public office i mean you have those folks that you know they they've got the you know they've got that political bug in their dna or in their in their you know they got that as we used to say the fire in the belly and you know politics they they live it breathe it uh, and they want to be a politician which you know those folks exist everywhere Um, uh, but i think there are you know there's an opportunity for folks that are you know, more concerned about the policy and may not have, frankly, the confidence in themselves that they could be elected or could make a difference. So, you know, I think awareness is is one, you know, aspect of it. So when there are these hot issues that, you know, could have an impact, um, you know, I, I used to tell kids when I used to go into to high school classes and speak to them all the time, just about government and, and, the, and, the, and the political process. Um, and I think, you know, what I would say to them applies to any Portuguese American, frankly. Uh, and that simply is, regardless of what you decide to do or whatever, whatever your career path, wherever your career path uh, takes you at some point you professionally and personally will intersect with the political process. Um, you could be, you know, a Portuguese American nurse and it could have an issue that's not anything to do with being Portuguese, but it could have to do with, you know, mandatory overtime in the hospital that you work at, for example. Right. Uh, but if it so happens that, you know, as a Portuguese American, and you can connect, Uh, And sympathize with a Portuguese American elected official to share your perspective if if they have a vote on that particular topic if it's before the the body that they sit in Uh, that's just a natural affinity and and a natural connection so you know I think information and education and just simply you know awareness Uh, as I started to say you know folks are, are busy and it's very easy for you know all of us to have you know an ever shrinking attention span to things in our, in our everyday lives, let alone these things that might just be on the spectrum and, and, and really tangential in, in in so many ways.
2: Jack, your take on it?
3: I think it's it definitely focuses number one on awareness. As Dan said, um, he, he brought up a good point. Actually, one of my favorite quotations in my office was uh, Gandhi who actually said, anyone who says they are not interested in politics is like a drowning man who says they are not interested in water. Um, it surrounds you. You're you you're in it no matter what. Like Dan said, it it, it it's it's involved. Uh, I mean, it evolves, so we'll always be here. Uh, for me, the awareness focuses. I think if we can create a, a universal message, it will definitely help. Um, as we know, there's you know everyone deals with different issues. For me, here in Connecticut, and as Dan knows, we have town government rather than county government, so it's very very local, very specialized. But there's portuguese americans that deal with county government so there might be one town in their county that's highly portuguese and others might not be so we can kind of give uh if Palcas can universally give kind of a, a sheet of what we're looking for you know top three top four issues that we can get out to these officials and maybe they can look to expand in their areas or see why they cannot expand in their areas it might help us out a little bit in kind of formulating um a a way direction to go. And then number two, when it focuses on awareness, for me, it's how involved you were uh, personally Portuguese. So for me, you know, growing up a little bit more Portuguese, it was the DNA is still involved for me. But I've realized some people that are three, four generations out that, you know, their grandparents or great grandparents came from Portugal. They don't have that connection anymore to Portugal. So they might not feel that advancing Portuguese issues might be as important to them which is for me kind of wrong because that is what you were built on. You know, you came from that. You should be able to appreciate your heritage. So I think it's important in getting people to understand that the Portuguese heritage is kind of built the world. You know, we've been around the world forever. Embrace what you have in you and understand that we're a community that works together. Transatlantic, we do not want to, you know, we don't sit at the backside in the wrong ways. We're always there to do the right thing. So if we can embrace that, all elected officials and even ones that aren't elected yet that might say, hey, I'm going to put Portuguese on the backside. But why? There, there's no downside in saying I'm Portuguese. Who, who looks at a Portuguese person and says, you know, I'm go- I'm going to shun you. They really don't. Portuguese have, have been very influential and really help help out the world. So for me, it's that awareness of making people aware to, you know, you are Portuguese, be proud of it. And two, what is a universal message that we can give to people that say, "Here's something simple that you can maybe work with, and then we'll get into the specifics later when you need more help."
1: Yeah, I think that it's definitely a good action item for us, right? Like we needed more work, but I, but it's a, it's a natural extension of. The results of the Palcus index survey, right? where people indicated what was most important to them and Portuguese language education is one of them, having more Portuguese in office is another. and then the third one, which might be a little bit more difficult to affect at the with elected officials, but we can find ways to do it, which is you know helping to keep our communities alive, the clubs, the organizations, the the traditional festivals, things like that. So I mean, I think it's a natural extension of that survey, and and it's exactly why we do that survey so that we know, what the Portuguese-American agenda is at the national level, and then, you know, what can Palacios do to affect that? So um, I, I think we've hit on something really important here. And with that, we unfortunately, we have to end. We have to wrap it up. But uh, I think this is a really important discussion. I hope that everyone listening has a better understanding of why it's important for you to make your voice heard. You know, as, as Jack quoted Gandhi, even if you don't care about politics, politics affects your life. So you have to have a voice, and so make your voice heard by letting your local and uh, your state officials know how you feel. Um, if you have any questions about any of this, we are always available at Palkus. At the email address is palkus at palkus.org. We love to hear from our members and, and people in the community, so please uh, give us a, a, a drop us a note uh, and let us know what your thoughts are. Um, if you haven't hit subscribe to this uh, podcast, please do so now. Please share the conversation with friends and family so that we can engage more people in this dialogue about becoming more politically active and making our voice heard. Thank you to Jack and Dan for your time today. Thank you, Denise, as always. Thank you. And um, with that, we're, we're going to wrap it up and say, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much.
2: Indeed. Indeed. And let's remember, let's continue to be proud of being Portuguese, but what are we going to do about it?
0: Amen. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of Palcus, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. Palcus is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about Palcus and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palcus@ at palcus.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palcus. Politicus is made possible through the support of the Luso-American Development Foundation.